This morning, we are going to do communion together. Um, amen. Um, I like doing things in church. Well, let me put it this way. I don't do things differently in church just to upset the apple cart or change things up. It's not for the sake of changing things up. Uh, I believe that you guys can go ahead and put that stuff up here. It's cool. I think there's times that we take certain elements of our church service and we, we memorialize them in religion. And then it becomes you must do it this way or you must do it that way for it to truly be a holy moment. And that means that you've religiousized it to the point of making, yeah, I got one more, I think right here, all right? And uh, put that one right there, and then this one, let's do that one all the way over to the edge. Good. Um, we, we, I call it, uh, whether it's how you take the offering or how you do communion or when you do communion or whatever the case may be, and then it becomes somewhat of a religious icon. Nothing more than rote ceremony. I don't know about y'all, but I, I absolutely refuse to do communion out of rote ceremony. I just, I, will, I refuse to do it. Um, I'm not going to do it just because it's the first Sunday of the month. Well, it's the first Sunday of the month, so we better do that. Because it means so much more than that. Um, and that's what I hope to invoke in all of our hearts this morning is the depth, the profoundness of communion and what it means to us in our Christianity. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures and I'm going to explain, I guess, uh, where's uh, Rob? You know what I did? I forgot to get two or three people to help model it this morning. Would you would you help us uh, when, when it's time? Will you and Penny help model uh, what this looks like so everybody can and partake? And so uh, I want communion to be something that's heartfelt. I remember uh, it was a few years ago. It was five or six of us guys. We went on a what we kind of called a mini quest. We went out in the woods and and um, we took our campers and stuff and and uh, just sought God for two or three days. And on one of those days, uh, Rob held a uh, communion uh, uh, service in his camper. And of course, we had already been two days out in the woods, you know, just spending time with the Lord. And so it was um, kind of a serious moment, I think, when we all came together and he played some worship songs. And, and actually, in that setting, we, we had a day where we weren't um, allowed to talk all day. It was, it was called a monastic fast. And so we weren't speaking um, and I didn't really know everything that was going to be going on. And I came in the room and I saw this communion table that was set up uh, up front. And we still couldn't talk. So here's all of us guys. We couldn't say a word. And uh, he started playing uh, these worship uh, videos on the screen. So it, for 24 hours, no words came out of our mouth. But the first words that came out of our mouth were, was praise and worship to the Lord, and that was pretty profound in and of itself after a monastic fast to have the very first words be praise to the King of Kings, uh, and he modeled for us what this communion uh, looked like, and it was, without a shadow of a doubt, in all of my years as a Christian, 
probably the most profound communion experience that I've ever had in my life. Uh, in fact, I will probably remember it as one of the pivotal moments of my Christianity for the rest of my life. Uh, it just meant that much. We did the same form of communion at our Believer School of Excellence and once again helped the students take a journey of what this communion really meant. Now let me, let me pause, break right here. I'm going to pause right here. I want to say to all you parents, do not be concerned if your kids make, you know, noise. It's family Sunday. If they get, you know, a little bit rowdy, it, it's, you know, it's okay. If, they, if you deem they're too rowdy and they're becoming a distraction, just walk out with them for a minute. But please don't feel like, oh, I got to keep my kid just perfectly silent. That's not the case uh, today. Enjoy the day. Relax. Have a good, good day. Can you say amen? While I'm talking about that, let's also recognize children, uh, uh, parents this isn't snack time for the kids. All right? In fact, I don't think they'd like these crackers anyway. It, it, no, you don't like these crackers. <laughs> well, who said that? Of course, it was Jonathan's son, yeah. He says, I love crackers. Let me just say, there's no salt on these crackers. There's no yeast in these crackers. They're called matzah. Matzah. Um, and so, um, yeah, so parents, it's not snack time for the kids. So if you come forward as a family and um, your children understand what communion is about, then you as mom and dad, you can, you can determine for them to partake of that communion based on what, you, what place you know them to be at, okay? But let's not give it to them just because they want some juice and a cracker, Right? It's still a holy moment. And so let me read a uh, passage of Scripture. And then I will begin to explain what this, what's going to happen. This may take a while. Uh, and I'm okay with that. That's one of the reasons uh, I said to Jonathan, you know, let's do two songs. Let's get into the presence of the Lord. Let's do this thing. Because I want time given to these two powerful ordinances, communion and baptism. I want time given to them. I don't want them rushed through, and I don't want them to be just a ritualistic ceremony put into a, a, a spot in the service, okay? So this is what this day is about. Uh, so we can just relax and have a, a calm time today. Um, this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And it's the Apostle Paul um, that's uh, speaking to us. Of course, we know Paul had a fantastic experience on the road to Damascus as, as the Lord met him. You know, he was on his way to put in prison and put in jail, uh, you know, the Christians. And, um, but Jesus interrupted his life. Come on, somebody. Did Jesus interrupt your life? Was there a moment? Uh, Jesus interrupted his life. And, uh, you know, this, this same guy went on to become one of the greats in Bible history, wrote two-thirds of the uh, New Testament, uh, and really had a revelation, uh, an understanding, an illumination of Jesus Christ, quite frankly, that far exceeded any of his contemporaries uh, at the time. And there was a church in the city of Corinth. That church got out of balance in a lot of things that they were doing, um, and quite frankly, the Lord's Supper became a potluck, nothing more than a potluck, 
that was first come, first serve. Whoever got there early enough got the best vittles, and whoever didn't get there early enough ate the crumbs. And it was just completely out of balance. Are you with me? So that's kind of the backstory to this setting in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul says, I'm going to give you some instructions about the institution of the Lord's Supper and how we need to approach it. Because it does need to be approached in a very profound, a meditative, contemplative fashion. Okay? For I received, this is verse 23 of the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. In a lot of churches, there's a a communion table, and it's etched right in the front of that table. Do this in remembrance of of me. Are are you with me? Now, I don't mean to denigrate. I want want you to understand how we can make religious icons out of stuff. I was at this church a number of years ago up north, and we were preparing, I don't remember, a couple of churches were getting together to do some music, and we were at this one church. And I went to set my music book down on that communion table and boy immediately somebody came and said get that you can't put that on there don't put that on there now I get that because for them that was a holy table for me it was a piece of furniture all right a piece of furniture that had been made a religious icon are you with me some people might say what you're gonna you putting this on the floor that's not what this is about whether it's on the floor or whether it's on a communion table that has etched in beautiful, uh, you know, font. This do this and remember to me. It's about right here in the heart and what's happening here. This, this is what's important. Okay. So he said, "Do this in remembrance of me." In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is the new covenant." Everybody say, "New covenant, new promise." Amen. Uh, in my blood, this do is often, <coughs> excuse me, as you drink it in remembrance of me. Some people have taken the word often to mean you got to do it every Sunday or you got to do it once every month. Or, I just think it means as many times as you do it. Whether that's once a day or six times a day or once a month or twice a year. I mean, just as often as you do it, right? For as often, now here, here's, here's a kicker right here, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread, in other words, every time you do this and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I think that has depth and meaning as well. Because on a personal basis, I know what the Lord rescued me from. I know what he saved my life from. It took me out of the pits of drug addiction and, and abuse and so many other things. So when I receive those communion elements, I can proclaim what his death meant to me. Are you following me? So you would have that same experience where you'd be able to go, I know what Jesus rescued me from. I have a feeling I know where my life would be today had it not been for the death of Jesus on the cross. So I think this is a very individual, uh, personal moment 
between you and the Father, yet something we do corporately together as the church. So as often, as many times as you do it, remember that what you're doing is that you're proclaiming the Lord's death. And I would say what his death meant to you. And we know it meant salvation. We know that his blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Okay, we, we, we have a, a good Sunday school understanding of that. Are you with me? But for those of you who've, you know, I, I, there are some people that have just been Christian all their life, and I think that's a beautiful and wonderful. There should be more testimonies like that. I was raised in a Christian family. I grew up a Christian. I was a Christian my whole life. There came a day when it came a, became a deep revelation, but I didn't go off and do a bunch of mean, nasty, ugly things. What a great testimony, somebody. I've heard people like that say, well, I sure wish I had a testimony like yours. I go, no, you don't. Your testimony means as much to you as my testimony means to me, and that's how you approach this to say, I remember what you did for me. Are you following me? All right, now there's an important uh, continuation of this passage because remember uh, the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to this church, this church that was a little bit wackadoodle, as my wife would say, wackadoodle, uh, a little out of balance. So first he says, here's the institution. I got this from the Lord Jesus, he says. This is how Jesus said to do it. Then he says, I got to give some correction and I got to give some instruction to this group of people. And here's the Apostle Paul's instruction. And it's subtitled, examine yourself. Examine yourself. This is the, this is the, uh, the moment of profoundness. Examine yourself. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Everybody just say, whoa. Serious. That's serious business right there. We went from him saying, listen, I got this from Jesus and here's how Jesus taught it to me to you better examine yourselves before you do this because you're doing this in an unworthy manner and you're bringing condemnation on yourself. Wow. Whoa. So it is a serious thing. And guilty, wow, what a statement to say guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But I want to help you, I want to really, I want to bring to you, if I may today, my understanding and my perspective of this. But let a man or let a person examine himself, and then so let him eat of the bread and the drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, everybody say unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Here, here's, I love how the Bible always gives us the answer, gives us the disclaimer, and it says, let me read that again, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Some people have said, well, if you got any sin in your life at all, and you do this, ooh, it's going to be bad for you. Well, let me just help you with something. That means there's not a person in this room who's worthy to take it. Are you listening? Not one of us. 
There's nothing in my life that makes me worthy other than what Jesus did and that I've become the righteousness of God spiritually, okay? But there's nothing about Rick Lopez that makes Rick Lopez worthy to receive this holy, these holy elements. Here's what makes me worthy if there's anything that can make me worthy. It's not how clean I am. It's not how perfect I am. It's how I approach these elements. And do I approach these elements remembering what he did for me? Do I approach these elements remembering that he died for me? Do I approach these elements remembering that he shed his blood for me? And I know what my life was like and and what a mess I was. And and Jesus did this for me. That's remembrance. That's, in my estimation... Other than the blood of Jesus and the fact that I'm regenerated by the Holy Spirit, which is a supernatural thing that I don't understand anyway, none of us do. Something the Holy Spirit does. That spiritually makes me worthy, but in my physical body and my stinking thinking and all the other things that we have to deal with in this mortal, corruptible body, that makes us unworthy. With this mortal, corruptible body with sometimes stinking thinking, but a renewed a, renew, a mind that's being renewed, come on somebody, can say, well, wait a minute, I know what this means. And I'm not going to approach this like it's just first Sunday of the month. I'm not going to approach this like, well, it's something we're supposed to do all the time. I'm not going to approach this like ceremony, although it's ceremonial. I'm not going to approach this like ritual, although it's ritualistic. I'm not going to approach this because of tradition, although it's traditional. I'm going to approach this because of what my Jesus did for me at the cross of Calvary. Can I get a witness of amen from somebody in the house? So, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, Remember, in an unworthy manner is not discerning the Lord's body. An unworthy manner is not remembering why you're doing it. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That means there's a danger in our lives to take this communion simply as a ritualistic religious icon. That's why I've steered away from doing it for that purpose. I want it to mean something. I want it to have depth. I want to walk away from every communion experience, even if we had one every Sunday, I want to walk away from that communion experience having had an encounter with my Lord Jesus who gave his life for me. Are you with me? Are you following me in this? So, I think that it's important, let me, let me help you with this, taking the communion elements while never having given your life to Jesus and not uh, uh, confessing your sins and, and, and receiving him into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you're simply having a snack. That's a part of the examine myself as well because you may be sitting here right now and you may be going, man, there's some stuff I got to get fixed with Jesus before I go do this. Father, forgive me of this. Father, I repent of that. 
before you come receive these elements, to examine yourself, to make sure that when you come, that you're truly in that heart, that heart place and that mindset, you saved me on the cross of Calvary. And it means that much profoundly to you. I pray that the communion time that we just had was a, a great experience for you. But we aren't done yet. Amen? Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, and then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. All of you who are going to be baptized, I think you're supposed to line up on this wall over here. So if you're going to be baptized, why don't you, Steve's going to be right, right there by the flag. Why don't you line up behind him? Those of you getting baptized, go ahead and get up and go on over there. I got a couple things I want to say, and we'll just get everybody in place. Awesome. Praise God. I love this, uh, the fact that Jesus started his ministry. Uh, he, he, you know, baptism was the moment of saying, I need to do this to get right standing with God. It was also that moment that the Spirit of God ascended upon him, and it was in the form of a dove. It was also at that moment that a voice came from heaven and said, this is my kid. This is my child right here, and I love this child. Isn't that a great thing? Amen. So that's profound, I think, of something that happens at baptism. And then very quickly over in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it said, this is where uh, the day of Pentecost had taken place, and everybody heard the power of God fall on these 120 people up in an upper room, and they, they thought they were drunk. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. They thought they had been, you know, smoking dope or something, and, uh, and Peter said, nah, that's not what's going on. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and he went on and he preached this very short message. And then the people said, "Well, what, 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 what do we need to do? We want it too." And Peter said this in Acts thirty-eight: "Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." Uh, amen, amen. I want to just take just a second and talk about that word remission. Uh, because this is an important part. So we, we, what, what, what do we have at baptism? Something to do that, that, that can kick off your ministry. That's what we saw with Jesus. The Holy Spirit ascended. Boom. A voice from heaven said, this is my kid and I sure am happy. Right? And then it goes on to say, uh, over here that uh, 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 my sins go into remission. Now, anyone who has had cancer or knows of cancer and knows about my cancer is in remission knows that that cancer cell may still be there, but it no longer has any power 
to affect your body to death. Are you with me? So we in our human body, corruptible body, still have to deal with the sin nature, but something's getting ready to happen at baptism according to this word. Uh, The power of the sin nature to have an effect to dictate our life is getting ready to go into remission, y'all. No longer can it, it, no longer will it have the power to dictate your life. Are you hearing me? So I want you to think about those things. Great starting point from the, to start a ministry, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The voice of God, whether we hear it or not, I believe is saying, this is my kid and I'm a happy daddy today. And the nature, the power of the nature of sin is now uh, uh, dethroned and no longer has power over your life. That's going to that's gonna take place right over here when you take that old person and you bury him and you come up brand new in a resurrected life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. 